So today, like I said, this is kind of be a one-hit wonder. It's totally not what Eric's been sharing, but it's on my heart. Um, today I want to share a message actually that I shared at camp this summer. Um, <clears throat> but I believe it is a very important message for our teens, for our young adults, and even for some older adults. Okay? Um, and so many of you may not know this about me, but deep down in my heart, um, buried kind of under my visionary builder gift, my gift of leadership, my kind of buried under my apostolic teaching gift, I have a passion for people to get saved. I really do. And I, and I realize we're all supposed to have that. But in my life, it was at 10 at one point. Like, and then you broke it and went to 11 when it came to getting the lost saved. Uh, many, many years before we started this church, I mean, I was a passionate evangelist. I, uh, my main goal in life was to get the whole world saved. I mean, that was my mission. That was it. That's all I wanted to do. And everyone I talked to, I shared about the salvation that we can find in Jesus Christ. Amen? In fact, in my early years as a Christian, um, I was in various different Christian rock bands. And uh, at every concert, it was my, my goal at every concert we did, every show, every gig, that I would give an altar call. That we are not going to not ask someone if they want to receive Jesus. And every show we ever did, every concert, every outreach we did, at least one person responded to the gospel. And many times, many people responded. But at least that was God's little kiss to my heart. At least one person would come forward and they'd either they'd give their heart to Jesus or they'd rededicate their life to Jesus. And so I, I witnessed to my friends, got so many of them saved. I was witnessing to my family and my own father as he watched uh, the transformation in my life. He set me down and at home. I was still at home. I was in college. But he sat me down and he goes, what is going on with you? Now, we were raised religious. We were, I was Catholic. So we had, we, I, I knew God and I knew of him and I knew Jesus. But, but we, there wasn't a living of it in our home. And he stopped. He was like, what is going on with you? I want whatever you have. And so I was, I was leading everyone I could to the Lord in my early years. Um, even in the early years of starting this church, when we started this church, I was building and leading our evangelism ministry, as well as the worship and as well as our youth, but we won't talk about those two things. We're talking about a, this evangelism thing. And in the early years of our church, we did an outreach called Hell House. And in that, in that outreach, you, uh, there were scenes depicting the demonic realm and how it interacts with us as we go through life and partake in various types of sins. And, and that first year that we did that outreach, and I think we only did it one weekend, you know, Halloween weekend. And just from that one outreach, I, I was blessed to be able to give the altar call at the end as we took everybody through and I would present the gospel. And in that, just that one weekend, we probably had 600 people come through the outreach. And of 600, we probably, I think we counted, over 200 either got saved or rededicated their life to the Lord. 
I mean, that's nearly twice what we have in this room. So I have this burning desire to see peoples get saved. I just don't get to show it off very often. Well, in recent years, um, as we have experienced a lot of truth decay in our nation and in the church of America, um, I've noticed that among our teens, our young adults, and even quite a few older adults, that there is a growing segment of people who are in church believe they are saved, and believe that when they die, they're going to heaven. But if they seriously looked at their own lives, they would discover they were actually a counterfeit Christian. And this really concerns me, and it hurts my heart. As a leader, as a shepherd, I see... Even in our society, there are countless, countless kinds of counterfeits, right? Counterfeit money, counterfeit singers, counterfeit photos, counterfeit art. It exists out there. And at the heart of all counterfeit is the absence of the appearance of the original. See, it's too hard to create an original master painting. So what do we do? We copy someone else's hard work. It's too hard or even impossible to have the perfect body and, you know, the perfect look. And so we create this fake image with Photoshop and of what beauty really is, and then we plaster it on magazines. Some people want fame and fortune so badly, but they don't actually have the talent to create it. And so they copy someone else, or they lip sync. Who remembers Millie Vanilli? It's, it happens. This is a reality. So, as we have talked about this, this thing, this issue, in our staff meetings, as we've talked, I've talked with other leaders in the region, um, there is this growing conviction that somehow we, we have got to get counterfeit Christians saved. And I'm asking myself and others, how, how do we get someone saved who thinks they're already saved? Well, I think it starts with a statement that the Apostle Paul makes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. And it says this. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course... You fail the test. You know, with all the counterfeits that are in the world, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be, as people who say we're saved, we're born again. Paul says in the New Testament that we should be testing ourselves to see if we really are 
the thing we claim that we are. To see if we are really, truly an authentic follower of Jesus. Are you an original work of art kind of Christian? Or are you just a fake copy of the world trying to look like an authentic follower of Jesus? Paul is telling us to test ourselves. And, and I think as I've looked in the word and I've studied and I've asked the Lord, I think there are three, three ways that we can test ourselves to know whether we are really in the faith. Are you guys ready for that? So I believe the first test, if you're taking notes, it's called the knowing test. K-N-O-W-I-N-G. The knowing test. Everybody say the knowing test. When it comes to the knowing test, we have to ask just a basic question. And this may seem very elementary to most of us, but guess what? Someone needs to hear this today. But here's this very, very, very basic question that we all take for granted. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the real Jesus? You see, we all know John 3.16 says what? It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Anybody glad for that one? Now, a lot of people believe that God sent Jesus to give us eternal life. But not everyone believes that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. You see, there are a lot of fake Christians who believe that Jesus is just one of many ways to a happy life in eternity. So when it comes to passing the knowing test, we have to truly know who the Jesus that we believe in, we are believing in. Authentic Christians will pass this test. The counterfeit Christian, they're wondering, they're a little iffy. For you and I to pass this test, we have to believe that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Can someone say amen? amen. Everybody know Acts 4.12? Yes. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's the truth. That's the end of the argument. What that means is that not only do we have to know Jesus is the only way to eternal life, but we also now, listen, once we go, yeah, that's true. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. But not only can we stop there, we have to move on. And we have to now, we have to reject all other ways people claim salvation. You can't be a pacifist on this. And in our 
politically correct system, this is really difficult for some of us. But here's what this means. If you really know the real Jesus, you have to reject Buddhism. You have to reject Hinduism. You have to reject Islam and humanism and atheism and any other ism you can find. Listen, I got a book at home. It's this thick of cults and ways to believe, ideologies, systems in which other people have chosen to try to achieve salvation. Now listen, as we reject those systems and those belief systems as the only way, we of course are never going to hate or reject the people within that system. In fact, our job is to love them and lead them to truth. And, so, and, and loving someone, it doesn't mean you have to agree with them, which is the message we're all getting every day on the TV. It means that, that, that we have a value for them as a human being who needs Jesus. So if we claim to really know Jesus, if we, re- we claim to really know who he is, then we have to believe everything he says he is. Jesus isn't just a good guy who wants everyone to be nice. He is the payment for our sins. He is the only one who can make you innocent of everything. Every crime you've ever committed and the ones you've yet to commit. No one else has that power. Authentic Christianity is the only belief system that has an innocent person becoming guilty so that guilty people can become innocent. And it's free. Everybody say free. It's free. Listen, all other religions, all other leaders, all other gods... They all have, every religion that's not Christianity has a a leader or a God who calls their people guilty. And therefore they have to be punished until their sins are forgiven. Think about that for just a moment. The Bible says that Jesus alone Jesus alone gives people eternal life. Can you pass the test of knowing the real Jesus? Now there's a part two, a second question. This is essay form. (laughs) Part two of the knowing test is this. Are you known by Jesus. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 21, it says, Not everyone, everybody say, not everyone. <laughs> not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, that's heavy stuff. But I find this is a very interesting statement made by Jesus. Especially since we know that the Bible teaches us that, that God knows us so well that he knows every, the number of every hair on your head. Right? So how can Jesus and or God say, I never knew you? Well, we have to understand what the word know means. K-N-O-W. See, it doesn't mean, you know, just knowing someone. Like, you know, I know who Taylor Swift is or Beyonce or Abraham Lincoln, you know. It's not that kind of know. Like, I know, I know of, I, I know, yeah, I know, I know Queen Bee. Some of you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Speaking in millennial hipster slang right now. <laughs> what? I'm only 29. I'm totally with you guys. <laughs> well, you're old. <laughs> That's not what the word means. I know. I know you. I know him. I, I, you know what? I even met that guy once. It's not what that word means. When Jesus says, I never knew you, well, first, that word know, here's what it really means. The word know means this. It means to have an intimate relationship based on experiencing one another deeply. That's a mouthful. That word know means to have an intimate friendship based on experiencing one another deeply. So when Jesus says, I never knew you, he, well, here's what he's saying. He's saying, we never had an intimate friendship where we experienced each other deeply. Many people who, who believe that they are authentic followers of Christ will be dreadfully surprised to hear. Jesus never knew them intimately. And the very sad, sad reality is that they will have lived their whole lives doing Christian activities, but never have any, any kind of an affectionate experience with the Lord. Listen, we cannot be fully authentic followers of Jesus when we have no affection Jesus doing good works alone will not get us into heaven we everyone we must have a deep connection we must deeply love Jesus and have a strong affectionate connection okay 
I'm emphasizing affectionate here. Do you understand? You hear what I'm saying? You cannot have a loveless relationship with the Lord. Cannot. To be a pew potato and never, ever touch the heart of God and never have your heart touched by him, you are missing it. But here's the good news. See, Jesus has already slipped you a note in class. And it says, I love you. Will you love me? Circle yes or no. He already initiated this thing. He already started. He made the first move because he's a smooth operator. (laughs) He knows all your buttons and how to push them in a good way. Hey, listen, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And listen, here it is. We love because he loved us first. He's the romancer. You just got to take it. Oh, you're always talking to me, always hugging and kissing on me. Remember those dating years? My wife couldn't stand it. She was like, oh my gosh, can we not touch each other while we're sitting on the couch every time we're together? And I'm like, no. I've waited my whole life, girlfriend, to have a girlfriend. You're my only, I got years of pent-up physical affection. And you are going to be, you're going to take it, you're going to like it. So put your arm around me right now. I don't care if it's 100 degrees in the house and our thighs are sweating. Right here. Sit. I had a lot of pinup. I was like, I was, we- I was ready for it, man. I was ready to find my one. And I'd found her. And I'm like, you're mine now. It was a little crazy like that, it, just as you thought it would be. That's her. She's so. So, but Jesus would love to be that way with you. He'd love to be all up in your grill. What you doing? What are you thinking? How are you? Where are you going? What'd you do today? Let's just talk on the phone about nothing. So anyway, yeah, I was stopping a war in the Middle East today. What were you doing? Uh just trying to get through the day. Oh, that stinks. Well, he wants to be intimate. That's an authentic relationship with the Lord. It's an intimate one. All we have to do is respond. I mean, imagine again if, if you were a married couple and you never, ever, ever spent time together. I mean, what would it be like if if, if a married couple never knew each other intimately, it would be miserable. That's why people get divorced. How can you be best friends with someone who you never talk to? 
or never spend any time with. You can't. Only people who spend time together and love each other deeply are the ones who really know you. And it's the same with Jesus. If we never spend any time with Him, if we never tell Him how much we love Him, if we never develop a deep, intimate friendship with Him, then we cannot call ourselves authentic. We failed the test. But we don't have to fail the knowing test. All we have to do is just fall in love with Jesus. Just let Him do what He does so well. Romance your heart. There is nothing about Jesus that is unlikable. The Bible says that, that He is the desire of all the nations. Deep down, Every single person wants to experience the love of Jesus. Everyone wants a king like Jesus. And authentic Christians will pass the knowing test by being known by Jesus and knowing who he really is. Amen? So here's the next test. This is the growing test. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. I'm going to read this in NIV first, and then I'll read it again in another version. But it's real simple. It says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now I'm going to read it in the Amplified. You therefore... Oh. You just laughed and there's a lot of extra words. It's amplified. So I'm going to say it like this because it's amplified. I'm going to talk. You, therefore, must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Does that help clarify what perfect means? See, what this verse is talking about is that God expects us to grow up. He expects every single person who thinks they're authentically following Jesus to grow up and to mature. Authentic followers of Jesus are people who have committed their life to growing in Jesus. And part of what makes that maturity process, part of that growing up, that maturing, is, is that we are developing things like new godly beliefs, new godly attitudes, year after year after year after year. You don't get, you don't arrive. You don't, you don't go, oh, well, hey, you know what? I got all the godly beliefs I need. I, every one of my attitudes are perfect now. I know that's not true. <laughs> I 
Unfortunately, counterfeit Christians never grow. And they have no desire to grow or mature in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everybody say, become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the media and Facebook and waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of Soros and his master plan. Oh, see, I, I keep hitting you info people, your conspiracies. I, I know. Cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Growing is a key indicator that we are authentic followers of Jesus. The goal of our lives is to grow up into a mature, everybody say mature, mature. revelation of who Jesus is. That's what the fivefold does. They reveal parts of Jesus. That's their job. The apostle shows you the apostle Jesus and how the apostle Jesus should be working in your life and in the world. Pastor shows the pastor part of Jesus. Teacher shows the teacher part of Jesus. That's the job. So we have a mature revelation. We don't just camp out in the pastor. Oh, I'm just a sheep and Jesus is always doting over me. Yes, he is. But you know what? He's also an evangelist. Which means you got to get out of the field and go over in the dry desert. Leave the green pastures for a little bit. But see, we can't do that when we have no revelation that Jesus does those things. That he's the evangelist that is leading us to evangelize a world. So we have to grow up. That's the, that's the point. Growing up in a mature revelation of who Jesus is. Romans 1 Verse 16, it says this is, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And, and so we, we have Paul here talking about that we're, this revelation is taking us from one faith to another faith, to another faith. To another faith. Going from faith to faith means that we are growing in our love, in our knowledge, in our understanding of who God is. And that new knowledge and understanding should be changing us from the inside out. That's what growing faith to faith, glory to glory, deep crying out to deep. It's pulling us into maturity. The 
with the revelation that my attitude stinks. And that my ideas are not necessarily Bible ones. So how do we know if we're passing the growing test? Well, a good place to start is, do you believe the entire Bible to be the inspired word of God? Authentic followers of Jesus answer yes to this question. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture. Everybody say all scripture. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking, <coughs> correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. we are to be the real deal kind of Christian, we have to believe that the Bible is God's true word to us. And if the Bible really is God's true word to us, then we will, we will live our lives based on it. Counterfeit Christians Pick and choose which parts of the Bible they believe. Counterfeit Christians make the Bible say what they want it to say to suit their personal belief system. I want us to know that the Bible does not exist to approve what we think and feel about life. The Bible exists to change what we think and feel about life. Authentic Christians are growing and they're changing how they think and feel to align with the holy scriptures of God. Another way of saying this is authentic Christians are developing a biblical world view. And what that means is that as we're developing a biblical worldview, that means that we are judging what we hear and what we see through the lens of the Bible. So when you're on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, are you liking stuff that glorifies God? Or are you liking stuff that glorifies or celebrates or endorses sin. Do you compare what you read and see online and, and on TV to the Bible to see if it's actually true? Or do you just accept everyone's opinion in the name of tolerance and acceptance? You know, yes, people are allowed to have an opinion. We all are. That's what makes America great. But you don't have to agree with it. Let me say that again. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, but you do not have to agree with it. Tolerance doesn't mean you have to lay down your convictions and your beliefs. And I know the world says to keep your religious opinion to yourself. But you know what? They don't keep their opinion to themselves. 
And you know what? There's nothing new about any of this. I mean, really, 2016, it's not much different than 016. You know, back when Jesus was on the earth, leaders and authorities were demanding that Christians keep quiet and not talk about Jesus back then. But you know what those early Christians did? They ignored those commands. They ignored those laws. And they still shared the love of Jesus with others. Even when they had to go to jail for it. Even if they had to give their life for it. Even if they had to go to Russia when the new laws intact, that they might have to go to jail or not come home in time for it. If you want to pass the growing test of being an authentic follower of Jesus, you have to transform your thinking from a worldly thinking to biblical thinking. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Counterfeit Christians think the way the world wants them to think. They never compare what they see and read to the Bible to see if it's even true. Counterfeit Christians learn how to behave and they learn how to think from pop culture. But authentic followers of Christ are growing in their revelation of who Jesus is. And they are transforming their mind and they are conforming it to the will of God. They are passing the growing test. Amen? So here's the third test. Third test is the showing test. Everybody say knowing. Knowing. Say growing. Growing. And then showing. The third test is the showing test. And the question that's on this test is this. What fruit or evidence is there that Jesus lives in your heart. Matthew 12, verse 33. says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. So, let's just imagine for a moment, I took us all outside, and I had you all gather with me, and we walked up to one of the telephone poles out there, and we're all standing there and waiting for a really powerful object lesson. What's he going to teach us now? This is going to be deep. I have us all look at the telephone pole, and I say, everybody listen, look. Look at my apple tree. Isn't it wonderful? I would get the look that I just got from one of them over here. You would all look at me like I was crazy. 
Now, here's the deal. I could argue that it's planted in the ground like an apple tree, right? It's made of wood, just like an apple tree. Stands up like an apple tree stands. So why isn't it an apple tree? This is not a trick question. It's because there's no apples on it. <laughs> and there never will be. <laughs> I could say, well, we're out of season. There's never, ever going to be an apple growing on that tree. And you know why? Because it's not an apple tree. It's a telephone pole. So many times people who claim to be authentic Christians have no fruit or evidence that they are actually following Jesus. How about this one? What if I took you outside to uh, one of the SUVs parked in the parking lot? And I said, hey, everybody, come here, look. Look at my elephant. <laughs> Isn't he grand and glorious? He's magnificent. Again, you would what? Think I was crazy. But listen, listen, I could argue. It can move like elephants move. You know, it can transport people or goods, things like an elephant could transport stuff, right? I have to give it fuel to make it live, right? What's the problem? Well, again, just because it does some of the similar things an elephant does, does not make it an elephant. Matthew 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, say by their fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So if I, as my last act of lunacy, brought a wolf in here and I said, Hey, look at my pet sheep. You'd probably get up and walk out at that point. Because you knew I finally lost it. I've gone bonkers from too much Doritos and Mountain Dew. I don't know. Yet, here's the thing. People all over the world try to look like Christians on the outside, but inside they have no life of God. Remember that, that, that earlier verse that I shared where people said they, you know, they did all these good things in the name of Jesus, but Jesus said he never knew them. Listen, if we're going to be authentic followers of Jesus, and we're going to pass the showing test, We've got to have real fruit, real fruit that comes from a real relationship with God. So what does real fruit look like? 
Well, the great place to start is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So let me ask you, are you producing these fruit in your life? Are you growing and showing more love, more peace, more patience? Are you growing in more self-control? Could someone walk up to you and identify that you are a Christian? Not because you're religious, but because there's fruit hanging off of your tree. Could someone at school or work watch your behavior? Think about this. At your job, where you go to school, could someone watch how you live, do what you do? Could they tell, there's something different. There's something hanging off of them that I need to get a bite of. Or would they just see a counterfeit? John 15, starting in verse 16, says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And this is my command Pull on that fruit of love and love each other. Are you really showing the fruit of loving each other? Do you love your family? Or are you bracing yourself for World War III next thanks, this Thursday? What better place to show off some fruit? And with a bunch of people who you share DNA with and you don't like. <laughs> I'm just saying, are you authentic or are you, uh, are you kind of fake? You know? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Someone in this room you don't get along with, you don't like them. You don't really want to love them either. I want you to know I forgive you. <laughs> That's a nervous laugh that means it's true. <laughs> How did that leak out of me? Because <laughs> it's your fruit. <laughs> it's really bitter. I got some. Oh, I got some. Believe me. But I'm maturing. Are you? Are you growing and showing? Can you love people who are mean to you? I know it's hard, but authentic Christians 
you know, live the Bible, and the Bible says, you know, love others even when it's hard to love them. See, counterfeit Christians only love people who make them feel good. I mean, imagine if you went to court to determine if you were a Christian. Would there really be enough evidence to find that, in fact, you are an authentic follower of Christ? Or would all the evidence mount up to show that you were actually just a fake copy of the world, pretending to be a Christian? Once you know the answer to this question is going to affect your eternity. Second Corinthians thirteen five said, Test yourself. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. We've got to take this command very seriously. And test ourselves to see whether we are actual, authentic followers of Christ. And let me just, let me offer this one last thing. You know, one of the reasons why, and I'm not saying it's the only, but possibly one of the reasons why you might not be experiencing some of the promises and blessings of following Jesus is because you might be failing a test. But if you're passing, then you already are blessed. And more is coming. More love, more power, more faith, more hope, more peace, more joy. More healthy relationships, more success, heck, maybe more money. If you're growing, if you're showing, you, people get attracted to you. Opportunity gets attracted to you. Nothing good ever happens in my life. Because no one wants to be around you. <laughs> I don't know why I can't find a job. Well... What kind of fruit are you showing up at the interview with? We've got to pass the test of knowing and being known by Christ. We've got to pass the test of growing, showing up with new fruit, moving forward with God. And the result is that things will start showing off in your life. You know, fruit just grows naturally if you have a healthy tree. So you really don't have to push out an apple or a banana. It'll just show up when you got the, the knowing and showing part working really, really well. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask the altar team to come up, if you would please, right now.
ahead and pull on some music because I want you to look into your heart, church. Close your eyes, look into your heart right now, everybody, please. Just look. Right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is talking to someone, probably multiple someones. There's something that's gripping your heart right now and you feel like, wow, I don't know. I just don't know now. Oh, I thought if I just went to church and I didn't hurt someone, I, I, that's all I had to do. No. Do you know Jesus? Do you really, really, really know him? Does he really, really know you? The answer is no. I want you to know there's an invitation right now to change that. Because he's already made the first move. He already said, I love you first. He already forgave your sins first. So I just want to give you an opportunity with our eyes closed. We're just going to if you're looking in your heart right now and you feel this thing of, I just, I don't know that I know God. I don't know if I'm saved. I'm just going to ask you, as I, after I pray for everyone, I'm just going to pray for us all. And when, once I'm done praying, I will dismiss you. But if you're here and you want to know that you know that you know that you're born again, I don't care how long you've come to this church. I don't care how long you've been going to church. If there is a doubt in your heart, come forward. Come to one of our prayer team and either rededicate your life or give it to Jesus for the very first time. It's not going to be perfect when you make that choice. It's not going to just all turn around. But guess what? You're on the, you're on the right path. So I fight, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for us right here in this place. God, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, come. I just pray right now, God, your word says that all come who have been drawn by your Holy Spirit. And so right now, I pray, God, draw our hearts. God, call us into salvation with you. I pray for those who are contemplating that decision right now to make that bold choice. And when I dismiss and everybody gets up and starts walking, that those people would come forward and pray with someone. So, Father, right now I release a spirit of adoption on this place for true sons and daughters to come into the kingdom. I release that right now in the name of Jesus. I bind the enemy. I plead the blood, whatever lies hindering this person or these people right now in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth, let truth come in the person of the Holy Spirit. So I bless this right now, God. No shame, no condemnation, just come forward and get saved. Be saved in Jesus' name. 
And so I bless us, God, today to, to walk in that, Lord. And I pray for those who are saved, who are on that path, even if it's small, but they're still knowing, they're still growing, they're still showing, God. I pray for us that we would make greater effort, that we would make a greater commitment to believe that God has something great for me. That we would go out to this world, that we would reach the lost with hope and with salvation. So right now, I release you, Holy Spirit, to now touch hearts as we go in this day and we go blessed, God. And if you are here, I, sweetheart, girl, brother, I'm telling you, don't walk out of this room without coming to Jesus. This is it. This is your moment. This is what it was all for. It's all about this. Come now. When we re- I release, God, Holy Spirit, So, Father, we thank you for today. We honor you, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen.